Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Elkanen. Well, you know the drill by now. It's a continued uh, volatile, volatile week on Wall Street. So we'll talk about uh, the volatility, the reaction to more coronavirus headlines, and just how what what to do in, in a market like this. And there's a lot of movers, obviously, so we'll cover as many of the big ones as we can. Some earnings related, some just broader market volatility related. So we'll just Try to cover as many stocks as we can on the show today. Our guest is, you're going to like this one, Gordon Johnson. He is the founder of GLJ Research, Tesla Bear, uh, Aurora Cannabis Bear, uh, solar expert. We'll talk to Gordon at 8.35, so looking forward to that. Uh, And then Joel, give us a recap. What happened overnight? Uh, Nothing good there, uh, Mr. Israel. Uh, Are we we getting the... um... YouTube uh, feed up here. I'm yep. having a yeah. Yeah. Let me hit a refresh here. Uh, S&P futures are trading down 39 handles at 3071.50. We got a little pop uh, during uh, the, the speech last night at 6:30. That pop took us to 3117. Uh, the only thing about that it was Tuesday's low, but 17 and a quarter. You had to be really quick. Uh, pre-market low, 30.50, Uh That takes us back to some November levels. Uh, the next major level I have on the downside is 30.35.75, and then 30.23. Uh, that is your November 1st and October 31st low. Uh, on the upside, if we could get over 30.88, that's mid-range on the session, Uh, We got a chance to rally. Uh, Crude, just going with the rest of the market, down a buck 38 at 47.35. You have gold, gold acting like it should now, up $10.40 at 16.53 and a half. Silver, back up over 18, up 17.6 cents at 18.09. And uh, we talked about Bitcoin, and uh, man, it hasn't rallied in a safe haven market what it's supposed to be. It's down $45 at $8,840. I I guess Bitcoin really is truly uncorrelated to everything. Or or I guess (laughs) it's correlated because it's going down. But It's highly correlated to nothing. Right, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, And and then one thing I wanted to say just about um, uh, just the market volatility and for everyone, and I'm certainly guilty of this myself, you know, everyone who said in the past several years, oh, I'm, I'm waiting for waiting for a major flush and then I'll come in and I'm waiting for a major dip and I'll come in. Well, this has been the worst week in literally years. And where are we? We're just back to where we were in November, right? So That's a good perspective on things. Right, right. Just just dollar, for, for long-term investing, just dollar cost average your way in, going up, going down, going sideways, doesn't really matter. This has been a, a horrendous, painful week, and yet we're we were here three months ago. So, uh, just yeah, just some just some context. Can you pull up though a monthly chart for a second? Uh, sure. Monthly chart of uh, you know the Dow or the S and P's sure. or here we go. SPY. 
Um, how far back can what, what one are you showing here? It's not this goes one. to this goes to two thousand. Okay, it goes to two thousand. What do you have? The uh, S and P's or the Dow? Yep. Yeah, this is the spy. Okay, um, you know you got to look at similar you know periods of when the market is turned right, and who you know who knows we could just turn around and go back right back up to an all time high. Uh, but if you look at, you know, after 9-11, um, it took over a year for the market to recover, right? A lot right. of big red candles. And then during the financial crisis, from the time that we peaked to the time that we bottomed, it was at least a year, correct? Yeah. It, was, then, it was a couple years, yeah. Yeah. And then and then, then you have this move off the 2009 low. And yeah, there's there's some big red candles in there along the way. But if you think about the L of the where the market is at, okay, and the potential for it to go down is much much greater than for the market to turn around and rip to four thousand. So you have to look at things in a historical perspective. You know, we're in the early innings of this thing. Um, we know China's been shut down for a long time. We know that impacts a lot of uh, U.S. companies. We don't know the extent of the impact on the United States. There's a lot of unknowns. And what the, yeah, exactly. market does not like unknowns. Right, and, and now you have Goldman Sachs saying this morning that, uh, and this this is this is pretty wild. Uh, there there may not be any earnings growth in the U.S. this year if the coronavirus uh, gets gets uh, bad to a point. I'm not sure how. I mean, that's again, that's just a prediction. They have no way of knowing that, and I'm not sure how they can. To something that Brent said on our, on our news desk, how can they lump every U.S. company in? together and say there won't be any earnings growth across the board this year. It seems like a uh, pretty out there prediction to make, but these are the kind of things that, that happen that get said when we just don't know. Well, you know, here's the thing too, though, and this is just like the, the mentality of the investment world. Does it, what if there's negative growth? What if they, they, they don't grow? What if earnings are below expectations? Right. You know, everyone wants grow, 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 better, better, you know, more, 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 more. Okay. So they're not going to grow. So are they going to be flat? Are they going to be negative? I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of different factors that, you know, go in and we're really a, a, a really spoiled society with what we've had with this market. Sure. since the financial crisis. And, you know, things aren't always better. Things don't always improve. Just every day doesn't get better, better, better. Just from a, you know, a big macro standpoint, you know, let's, let's contain, you know, this virus. Uh, let's find a cure. Let's find a vaccine. And then, it, you know, once we get to that point, then we can, you know, you know evaluate the damage uh, that we had. But, like, who's booking a cruise? I mean, who? Well, I didn't like cruises before, so I'm not booking. A Actually, my my mom just booked a trip to Greece for like next year. Uh, well, next year is not too bad. I don't I know mean, why. I don't know why she did that. Probably because it was like really cheap. I just told her to buy insurance, please. Um, but uh, I buy it. Oh, that's another thing. I every single trip that we you know we have some booked over the next year, man. Insurance, you gotta have. Got to have insurance. So, but Brett, uh, uh, Joel, to your point uh, about you know, you know, we can the the risk up here is high when when we've been spoiled for as long as we have, and and that's a great point because the last decade has been pretty great, generally speaking, 
for the economy and for the market, uh, which aren't always the same thing, but with a couple of exceptions, it was an amazing decade. And uh, just to give you an idea of how spoiled we are, what was the biggest news from after the bell yesterday? It was Microsoft warning. Uh, They said that they're not going to meet their uh, expectations for the quarter on their personal computing segment. So they're warning about one segment of their company. And Microsoft was down... Uh, with 3%, I hadn't checked it actually. I don't know how far it's actually down uh, from the close. But um, you can see Microsoft down in the pre-market. They warned about one segment of their business. And that is the lead. That was the biggest headline of the after-hour session. Uh, so when you mentioned Greece, someone said she's welcome here. So I don't know. Did we have a listener from Greece here? Maybe. Um, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to find it in the chat. Um, if you are, oh, it's uh, I dark, dark. I can't even pronounce the name, but if you're from Greece, just give us a thumbs up here. We uh, like to uh, yeah, welcome. I'm, I'm taking recommendations, I guess. I'll pass them along. I, yeah, I, yeah, she's idea. welcome there. But, no, but, but going back to Microsoft here. So Microsoft warns yesterday, it's the biggest story of the after-hour session. It's the biggest stock-specific story of the after-hour session. And they warned about one segment for one quarter. One segment for one quarter. So like like that's where we are. We we are so we don't. It, it's hard to remember how bad it was. Uh, the, there was there was an, a legitimate economic contraction after the dot com bubble. There was an economic crash in two thousand and eight, two thousand nine, uh, and we just haven't had that for so long. Um, I think a lot of perspectives are skewed by the fact that we had two recessions within the same decade, and now we've gone a, another decade and and basically saw economic growth the entire time. So, you know, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. But. No, I think you're just kind of just kind of going with what I was saying. But yeah. uh, let's talk about Mr. Softy here. Sure. Uh, down 696, down seven bucks is called at 163.17, 163.20. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, where to buy this thing. I mean, once again, Spencer, you probably has to be showing a lot of weekly charts because sure. when you get into these kind of time frames, really, what else can you look at? You know, because uh, you're going back to historical patterns here. Um, I don't know if this is going to prompt, you know, prompt any downgrades. I got it. I, I know they just said one segment. Maybe they, you know, wanted to soften the blow. Maybe they have, you know, they're going to wait and warn about other segments. But right now, uh, we're looking at the uh, pre-market chart, the 15-minute chart. Someone, they're just selling, and they don't care. There's just been a step-down seller here uh, since 6 a.m. You know, who knows? That person might be long like a million shares from 98 bucks. You don't know what people's cost bases are selling, and you don't know if they're trying to get short. Uh, but um, haven't had a big red candle like this for a while, and Mr. Softy. Maybe hold out for 160. Keep an eye on the pre-market low. I see 163.07. Uh, that was your low on January 28th. And then I see the next daily low at 160.20. So if you really feel like you have to own this, you could maybe put some bids in between 160 and 163. But uh, 160.20, another three bucks from here. Uh, we'll see it hits it in today's session. I mean, one thing that kind of supports a stock like this is anybody that has any of the shorter dated options. You know, if you had the, uh, see, we're down eight bucks. You know, if you had the 166 puts that expire tomorrow and you're scratching your head and you're saying, oh, man, I'm not going to make any money on these. Boom, they're worth three bucks. 
So either they can cover the put or they can do the uh, trading strategy that Dennis talks about a lot, trading off your position. You could buy, you know, if you're short 10 puts, you could buy a thousand shares at 63. If it keeps going lower, well, you're out at 66. If it goes higher, you can scalp out of that trade. But uh, that's a strategy that we've talked about a lot on the show. You know, using your stock, you do need different kind of accounts to do that. Right. But, and, um, and speaking of that, there was an article in the journal, or there is an article in the journal this morning, just about how uh, options trading has added, exacerbated uh, the volatility this week and how people's positioning has just sort of made volatility worse, has uh, made liquidity worse. Uh, why? So, why? Why is options trading made worse? Uh, I didn't it, read the article. Why? Yeah, okay. Uh, if I can quote here from the article, uh, this is from the head of equity derivatives at SockGen, uh, Vincent Cassatt. It has been a big contributor to the increase in volatility. He's speaking about options trading. Right? Why? Uh, we can switch quickly from very – Okay, that, that's not relevant. Um, uh, let me scroll down here and see if I can find a quote that actually fits. Um, they talked about this short gamma trading strategy. Uh, and da, 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 da. I don't know. Here. You know what? I, I don't, you know, don't want to get super opinionated on that one. I... Okay. Uh, and then he wrote this. So there, there was this guy wrote in a note to his clients, in addition to the risk of the virus, significant drivers of price action was selling from systematic strategies and options hedgers. So he's just talking about they're, they're blaming the options market for, for some of the volatility this week. Um, maybe they're right. Who can say? Uh... You know what, Spinner? What do you think about that? If you're listening, I know you might be busy here in the pre-market. I, I don't know to blame the options markets. I think if anything, you know, people can look for. I mean, there might be people getting blown out of trades, you know, yeah. uh, because they, you know, they put the wrong, you know, their short puts, and you know, they got to scramble to cover them and buy them. That might add to it, but. Uh, Man, I don't know. I, right. I'll have yep. to. I have to read the article okay. before I come down too hard on this guy. Fair enough. Uh, and then, ju- if I could just put a bow on what I was saying earlier to everyone who's been waiting for, you know, a, a big flush, you got it. Okay, I want to hear from you now, right? Well, what are you doing? Because uh, it, it just goes to show. Because now is buying now seems insane, right? Right? It, it, it's it's it seems ridiculous, I'm... but but that's. That's what. That's the idea, right? That's the for idea. For you, Spencer, it's not. Uh, right. I yes. Okay. Um, but I, I I guess I'm speaking more broadly here. Everyone who's calling, waiting for for that that next big crash. Well, you got like the worst day in the history of the Dow in terms of points, which I know is not a great barometer. We prefer percentages, but still, pretty bad day. Uh, or pretty bad several days here. You, you got a big flush. Now what are you going to do? Are you going to – you think you can time it? The, the, see, that's the point. If you're someone who's waiting for uh, you know, a, a big market crash, you think you're good enough to time the bottom? Good luck with that because, it, because, because who can say how far we can go? To your point earlier, Joel, uh, we, we have gone so high for so long that it's impossible to say when we're going to bottom. Right, it's impossible to say how long the rebound could take. So, everyone who's waiting for the crash, you got it. Good luck, home. I don't think this is a crash. I don't think we've crashed yet. Okay, right. right. I, I think I maybe um, 
when we hit a uh, we haven't even hit a limit down yet okay right you're right yeah that's, that's crashing that's, that's a great when you point. hit limit that's down when we're down seven percent in one day that's a crash that's yeah. that's, that's a great yep. point yep and uh johnny zoo he wants to hear from triple d uh triple d is enjoying himself um just uh he'll be back on monday back and on monday. uh I, you know what? I could be here on Monday and probably not talk the entire show because he yeah. is going to talk. But he uh, just uh, give you um, his perspective. I mean, I talked to him for quite a bit last night, and he doesn't have a shopping list out to buy stuff yet. Right. He, you know, and he wishes would he would have sold more, and he wished that he had more puts. So that that's you know that his that's his perspective. Well, of course he does now. Everyone, <laughs> everyone does now. <laughs> okay, uh, let's get to some earnings here. Age seventeen, we haven't. I, I I said at the top we try to cover as many stocks as we can. So let me try to stick to that here. Uh, let me do Square. Uh, they report after the close yesterday, twenty three cents first twenty one cents sales of six hundred twenty first five ninety three million dollars. So a beat and a beat uh, for Square. And uh, you know what? I, the, the characteristics of this stock is, is like it seems to always give you another chance, it seems like, on the upside. Like it hit 85. Not that I've ever bought it on these dips, but it's, it just seems like it always gives you another chance. And it hit uh, – we had a nice high of the move over at 86 bucks. Bad day yesterday, and they rallied it back up. Uh, your pre-after hours, after hours high – was made at 83 right on the kisser. You're holding it 8011, and that's still up a couple bucks, right? Uh, yeah, it's still up 360. So I don't like that it's off the pre market high, number one. So I think you're going to have to pick an intermediate term level if you want to get out of this. I don't know if you're going to see that 83 because. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I should have sold at 85, 86. Oh, no, I can't believe it's at 79. Oh no, it's back up at 82. No, it's not even at 82. It's at 80.28. So um, just the three lows on the bottom, I can tell you where support is more than resistance. And uh, as long as we hold 76, there's a trio of lows, 76.07, 75.79, 76 even. As long as we hold 76, uh, I'll call this an uptrend here. Uh, but that's a big level. Tough to pick a resistance point on the upside. He also gave guidance that was uh, in line with estimates. Uh, and and quite frankly, at, at least they gave guidance. I, I'm waiting for companies to just pull their guidance entirely, but that, that hasn't happened yet. So Square's guidance was fine. Let's go uh, retail here. Let's go to Best Buy. They reported earnings this morning, just about an hour, a little over an hour ago now. Uh, Q4 adjusted EP. What? Oh, I'm just saying, hanging in there. Yeah, Q4 adjusted EPS of two dollars and ninety cents for a two dollars seventy five cent estimate. Sales also beat fifteen point one nine versus fifteen point oh six billion dollars. So, beats uh, in the fourth quarter for Best Buy. They're also raising their quarterly dividend from fifty cents to fifty five cents a share, uh, and they gave some uh, guidance as far as enterprise sales are concerned that were in line with estimates. I just don't like the reaction here. Uh, small pop, pop. Was oh, it's a tough week to report, Joel. 
Yeah, I put that actually in one of my articles before. Uh, 81.67 was your low from yesterday. You're through yesterday's low. So you at least want to get through yesterday's low on the close. I'll, I'll play this one a little closer to belt. And I will say unchanged is resistance at 82.18. Uh, now you're losing this 81.67, 82 level. Ha. Huh. I mean, this kind of just depends on how the market goes, but uh, don't see anything at 80. Really don't see anything at 79, but just below 79, 78, 89, uh, December 5th low, 78, 30, the fourth low. So this call, if it gets jammed and slammed, 78.50 might be a good target on the downside. We are drifting towards the lows of the pre-market session here, folks. Current low is 59.50, down 47 and a half handles. Was that was that overall or was that was that best? Part? That's from the close. Okay. We're, yeah, we're down we're down forty seven and so what's that? Uh, four or five hundred points in the Dow. So yep. it'll be a tough open here, folks. Yeah. Uh, let's just keep on the earnings parade, and then we'll, uh, we we would love to get to some tickers from the chat. I just want to get to a couple more. Uh, Etsy reported after the close yesterday, shares are up. Last I checked, about eight uh, percent. They beat on their EPS, beat on their sales. And their guidance for the year was nice. Exactly nice. Love estimates. So Etsy with a good report. Etsy off the highs of the pre-market after hours session. I mean, a lot of times you get those good reports and you see those pops. Fifty-seven seventy-seven. Uh, you've hit that back at fifty-five twenty-six. Boy, oh boy. I think you're gonna have to pick another level, folks. Besides that fifty-seven uh, seventy-seven area, because uh, it just seems to be leaking here. Um, on the downside here, you got a gap to fill all the way down to 52.65. So if you're buying this thing, uh, you know, probably won't give it all back. But if you're looking for a gap fill, 52.65 is where the top of yesterday's range comes in. Uh, did we do L Brands yet? I, no, I don't think we did. Uh, let's just do L Brands uh, quickly here. Their EPS buck eighty eight versus buck eighty three sales four point seven versus four point six six billion dollars. Uh, we know they are offloading a majority stake in Victoria's Secret. Uh, that was announced a week or two ago. But here is the pre market chart in L Brands. They don't like the report. Boom, boom, boom. At the lows of the pre market session, I own this dog. I wish I would have sold it on that news with they were selling Victoria's Secret. Uh, once again, you had a gap to fill when everyone thought they were going to get six bill, and I think they got three bill for it. Uh, so you got to got a gap fill here at twenty seventy seven. So if you're waiting for that gap fill, boom, there it is. You probably get it today. Uh, if we just keep going south, uh, not seeing much in the twenty handle. Uh, let's call it twenty. Let's see, that's eight sixteen. Let's call it. Um, 2812 or 2816, 2815 or 20.15 to make it easy. Uh, that splits a pair of lows from the 27th and 28th of January. All right. And then the last two earnings stocks that I really want to get to are Marriott and Booking uh, Holding. So uh, I'll do them both together here. BKNG reported after the close yesterday, uh, EPS, uh, man, $23.20 per share versus a $22 estimate. So they beat that already high number. Um, they need to do a stock split or something. Sales, 3.3 versus $3.28 billion. Uh, booking says that their uh, Q1 uh, room nights booked 
uh, is down 5 to 10% on a year-over-year basis. That's hardly a surprise. Total gross traffic uh, travel bookings down 10 to 15%. Um, so, again, not a surprise. Marriott reported also after the close their earnings per share beat. Their sales missed, and they gave guidance, but it does not reflect the impact of the virus. So I don't know how you can take it seriously. Uh, let's look at BKNG and uh, MAR. I, I, B, BKNG, I mean, if you talk about a stock that's in the crosshairs of the coronavirus, uh, you got two of them right here. Uh, so if you're thinking of buying the dip, I'm not even going to give levels on these two. Yeah. If you're thinking of buying the dip in either of these stocks, take a look, pull up Carnival Cruise Lines yep. and Royal Caribbean and Norwegian. And then think about what you want to do and make a plan. Because, um, you, like you say, like this is just now. This is just this quarter. What right. about next quarter? What about the third quarter? I mean, I, I can't say that Q2, we can throw it out the window here, that it's going to be bad earnings. But, boy, even if they bring down expectations, it's going to be hard to meet them to meet lower expectations. So uh, I've never owned either of these stocks, and I don't plan on owning them soon. Right, and that's the thing. Uh like let's let's pretend that the virus uh is 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 gone in like a few weeks okay yep um, it's not just a question of getting back to business it depends on the customers it depends on people wanting and not being afraid of traveling which could which who knows how long that could linger right so i ain't leaving my house who what are you thinking about <laughs> traveling <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just joking. Right. I might, go, I might go. I might go to Costco today and get some stuff. <laughs> okay, good luck. Yeah, yeah. Actually, maybe we should have looked at Costco a few weeks ago to see what you know. Let's pull up that Costco chart, see what they're doing. All right. Uh, yeah, it's tough because you yeah. know they're a retail there. Uh, but no. Uh, oh, but to your point, uh, the the cruise lines and the airlines should probably be your. Um, barometers for for uh if you want to buy anything just look at those and 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 what use them as a frame of reference because i mean ccl right crushed obviously rcl same story they're all they're all gone hammered equally well um, it, not not to like throw fuel on a fire here but if what what's going to happen the longer this goes on what what like companies that are businesses slowing down what are they going to do What's the first thing they're going to do to um, help to help the bottom line? Lay people off. Yes. And now you're starting to talk. Now, now you're implying like an economic snowball. Yes. Okay. And well. and because the Fed was, you know, uh, used some of the bullets in their chamber when they really shouldn't have, and they cut rates before, they they have less ammunition here. So. Um, I'm just looking at the, you know, at the, you know, the possible, possible long-term effects, folks. They're not, and nothing is written in stone. That's for sure. Um, CME FedWatch tool has is basically pricing in a fifty percent chance of a of a of a rate cut uh, when when they meet. How much lower can we go? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, we we can go a lot lower. Uh, we can go to less negative. Than, well. Okay, technically that's possible. I still don't understand that. Me neither. Uh, so there's a meeting on March 18th. Uh, markets pressing about a 50% chance of a rate cut uh, at that meeting. So that that'll be a big one for uh, for sure. 
Uh, so to keep on the calendar, March 18th for the Fed. Um, where else did I want to go here? Uh, I, I guess I wanted to also look at some of these uh, uh, quote-unquote coronavirus stocks. Sure. Like APT, which um, just has not stopped. Can't stop, won't stop. There's nothing you can say about it because it. this is just such a unpredictable thing. But, um, Brent, what do you say that they had received like 14 million orders Right, 14 million orders in the last month, and they can't fulfill all those orders. Uh, so they, and remember, this is a company that they make they make face masks, right? Uh, they 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 have received 14 million orders uh, in the quarter, and they can only fulfill about four million dollars worth of those uh, orders uh, right now. Um, so face masks masks are flying off the shelves. I'll pull up the chart of APT. There's nothing you can really say about it beyond the fact that the trend is your friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if you own it and you have a target, then take it. That's what I'd have to say. I don't know if there's a, um, a, uh, a liquid options market associated with this. This is an Amex stock. Uh, looking at the uh, trading at the highs of the pre-market session, uh, that's 1960, I believe. We just hit that on the last what? bracket. So, what? yeah, that's uh, it's only up 50% here. Yeah, 1960. Uh, so there you go. There's a target on the upside. You might want to see what the target is at nine or nine twenty nine and fifty nine seconds, and use that. Increasing volume has come into this. Uh, I I don't know what the short interest is in it either. Um, as much as I love the short stuff, I'm not shorting this one. Yeah, I get and, the sense it's not sixteen uh, percent, which is not okay. up, not outrageous. The volume's still going up, man. One, two million, three million, ten million, twenty million, twenty-five million yesterday. So, the volume is coming in. Uh, so at least wait for a double top or a double bottom or some kind of consolidation or something like that. But uh, as uh, as Triple D would say, uh, this one's above my pay grade. Anybody that's longing, congratulations. If you have a some kind of target, take it. Take half off. Very hard. Very. Very difficult stock to trade. I if I am I trying to buy it on the open today or any place today? No. Right, and it comes back to knowing knowing what's in your your wheelhouse. This is not in your wheelhouse, so you wouldn't buy it. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, we we just got GDP. It was in line. Jobless claims a lot of data today. Uh, jobless claims a little higher than estimates. Uh, durable goods uh, higher than estimate as well. Uh, I'll be watching that GDP number. That that'll be interesting to keep an eye on here um, as we move forward. As we move oh, forward. Oh yeah, I mean this is, I mean yeah, this is this is good. This is good. This is today's numbers, right? Yeah, this is today's. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, um, all right. I I do want to get to some tickers from the chat. I'm trying to better at 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 keeping one eye on on both chats throughout the show. Somebody asked about. Uh, or someone just dropped in the, the, the pre-market chat, Roku. Uh, I'll just pull the chart up of Roku right now. Uh, none of these moves are fundamental, obviously, so there's there's nothing you can really say about it besides the movement with the market. But we'll, we'll look at the chart nonetheless, and, and Joel can help us find some levels potentially. Uh, well, we're trading down at 106.20. 
what was your two day? We're below your three day low. Just go to go to the monthlies on this one. Sure. And uh, I don't know. I mean, if I wanted to own this, you know, over the next two, three weeks, a month or whatever, I try and hold out for a hundred bucks. Or if I was short, I would try and uh, hold out for a hundred bucks. I mean, I see one one daily low at uh, well, I see a pair of daily lows at uh let's just call it 104.40 so if you want to use that and then it's 101.55 and then the magic hundred dollar number two lows there 99.98 one double oh forty and that so i stand corrected the actual low of the move was uh 98.08 and someone asking about anaplan pla and they had earnings this morning i'll give you the numbers right now PLA. uh er earnings Earnings per share, seven cent loss versus a one cent loss estimate. So they lost more than expected. Sales, ninety-eight million versus ninety-seven million dollars. Q1 sales guidance was higher. Actually, it was in line. They raised their sales guidance for the fiscal year, and again, not a good week to report. But but they're reporting wider losses than expected. So that'll do it. Plan and a plan. Yep. What the hell do they do, Spencer? Pretty sure they're semis. Semis, okay. Uh, boom. Man, tough chart with Thursday here. Uh, or cloud. Low, it's cloud. It's cloud. Sorry. Okay. Uh, low of the mood, low of the pre-market, 43.21. Um, and you got a daily low that coincides with that area, right? Nope. Well, yeah, you do. Folks, go back to October. And look at this area, the 18th through the 23rd. And you have lows at 187, 375, 298, and 292. So you split all those areas up, and that makes it, let's just call it 43. And we are trading right there. We're trading just above that. So I kind of like the 43 support level, pre-market low. Is 42.80. It's kind of confirming that. See what happens at 43. No guarantees. Maybe if it dices through 43 and then comes back up over 43, but that's kind of it's kind of my number of the day here for a stock that I know very little about. A uh, few longer-term investors that think, oh, this is just you know another buy the tip dip opportunity. Uh, this stock uh, IPO not too long ago. The low of the IPO was 20.37. Uh, so you got a lot of pop people still sitting out a lot of profits in this one. So if you think 43 is cheap, some people may think it's expensive and look to sell at that level. Uh, go for the W. I just brought up uh, a stock I haven't looked at for a couple of days. Alibaba. Wow. The Bobster. Yeah, that's look, a good sign. I mean, if you look at that. Yep. Yep. It's holding up. Yep. It's holding up very well. So it's either, uh, you know, showing extremely, you know, relative strength and it's good. And then when the market turns around, this one's going to rip or it's just hanging on and it's giving you a chance to, you know, sell it. Uh, I think long-term investors here, as long as it stays above 200, 199.50 was a low on January 27th. Uh, so I think out of everything I've seen, that that chart is the most positive thing that I've seen. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. In the markets on a relative strength basis. And that makes you want to look at Baidu too. 
And I'm pretty sure doesn't Baidu report earnings here shortly? Let me look. Baidu looks. I mean, Baidu. Yeah. Ba- well. Okay. Baidu reports after the close today, so keep that in mind. Uh, Baidu is no Baba. That's all I have to say. Um, this one already's been killed from uh, 280 to 100 bucks. So uh, not as impressed with this one as I am with the Alibaba chart. Uh, all right, I want to bring on our guest right now, Gordon Johnson. He is the founder of GLJ Research. Gordon, good morning. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, doing, doing well, Gordon. So we spoke to uh, another analyst last week, and we asked him, broadly speaking, uh, are you having conversations with your clients about coronavirus? He said, he said not really. Uh, wasn't a huge uh, con- concern among his clients. That was last week. Uh, what about you? Are you having uh these types of conversations with clients about the impact of coronavirus? We've done two calls with uh, a China economist who I very much respect, Victor Xi. Uh, We started doing those calls in mid-January. We are having those discussions. We think the impact is going to be much worse uh, than feared. Keep in mind, with the SARS outbreak, um, when you didn't have a market at all-time highs, the S&P was down 16% on the SARS outbreak. Clearly, uh, that was maintained primarily to China. It wasn't a pandemic, and only 8,000 people died. You know, corona's already worse than that. Um, so, you know, I think that there's significant more downside. China, you know, in 2002 with the SARS outbreak, you know, China was 4.3% of GDP, global GDP. It's closer to, you know, 16% now, or some, I'm sorry, 20% now. So, you know, the impact to pretty much everybody is going to be profound, and we think the market is still grossly underestimating that. So to answer your question, sorry, we are having those discussions. That, that was my next question, is is uh, what is your assessment of how the market is is factoring in any impacts? Listen, we've been in a, you know, 10-year, you know, essentially bull market, the last year of which was a bull market on steroids. And when you look at the expansion of the Fed's balance sheet uh, in the U.S., but more importantly, the expansion of balance sheets everywhere, uh, China, Japan, et cetera, there is a predisposed notion by investors that, you know, stocks just don't go down. Um, and if they go down, that's an opportunity. And, you know, people have just been – um, predisposed to believe that over the past decade, you know, there really hasn't been much volatility in the market. Um, and that's just, that's not normally how markets work. Typically there's price discovery. There hasn't been any recently. Uh, but we think this may force that because the problem is, you know, um, this is going to be my attempt at a, at a bad joke. You can't throw money at the flu, you know? So the point is like China's stimulating, right? They're, they're printing a lot of money right now. They're, they're paying people to come back to work, but you can't pay somebody to put their life at risk. So when people aren't going to work, right, they're not buying stuff and they're not making money, which means even when they do go back to work, they're going to buy less. So the reverberations are going to be profound and I think much longer than, you know, the market realized. Think about this, right? Right now, if you look at the, um, the um, I think it's the um, John Hopkins um, data, it's saying there's only three, three incidents. All looking at that, yep. <laughs> yeah, they're saying there's only three incidents of coronavirus in the Philippines. But just two days ago, the Philippines announced that they're delaying a 135-megawatt solar project because of the coronavirus. It takes hundreds – a 135-megawatt solar project is probably the size of three central parks. 
right, full of solar panels. So you're talking about hundreds of people over an extended period of time. They're, the official data says there's only three people there that have it, yet they've decided they're going to cancel a solar project. So this, this thing is psychologically, I think, much more robust than what people expect. And, you know, politicians want to keep stock markets high, so they're, you know, hey, there's, you know, the death rate is this, mortality rate is this. But there's the second derivative effect of what it means for people, right? If it breaks out in New York, you think I'm going to keep coming into my office? No, I'm probably going to work from home or, you know, go to Ohio where I'm from and try to hide out. Um, it's going to affect my spending patterns. But, you know, I think that's what people are kind of overlooking. You're not, you're not from Columbus, are you? Oh, I am from Columbus. <laughs> oh, God. I did, uh, okay. Spencer, you can do the rest of the interview. Uh, no, but uh, – <laughs> but That brings up uh, a point that we were talking about earlier, which is that psychological impact uh, on business, on companies, where it's not just a matter of going back to – going back to – uh, you know, opening your factories up and making making your stuff again. It's a it's a matter of uh, customers willing to buy your product and and go out and and participate in the economy. So that's a, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, and I'm glad you brought up the the, the solar project in the Philippines because I want to ask you in what ways uh, are you seeing the the companies in your coverage? You you cover uh, steel, you cover solar, uh, you cover uh, Tesla and Aurora Cannabis. In what ways are you seeing uh, those companies have their uh, businesses disrupted? Yes, I mean, we, we can start with, uh, I guess, the most popular of them all, Tesla. So if you look at Tesla, Bloomberg has an article out this morning that states that their China sales are down 46% month over month. That's in January. And keep in mind, that's not the full effect of corona, right? The coronavirus didn't really break out until mid-January. Um, and, and already in February, people are talking about through the third week of February, sales are down like in the high or low 90s percent month over month. Um, so... When you look at Tesla, and, and, and this applies to a lot of companies, Tesla has a lot of debt, right? And it's a company that has been public for you know, over a decade, has gotten billions of dollars of taxpayer incentives, but has never made money, right? They lose money. So we're in this environment where you know, a lot of investors are putting money into companies that are perpetual loss makers. And that's fine when the credit markets are flowing. But do you think banks are going to be chomping at the bit to lend Tesla or any auto company money right now, given the outlook? Like banks aren't in the business to lose money, right? So if the credit markets dry up, I think you're going to have a severe effect on a lot of these kind of what I, what I, uh, you know, I think I have, uh, think of as unicorn stocks where they don't make money, but there's this perpetual growth narrative. And with respect to Tesla specifically, I mean, if you look at the data, right, this is a company that, um, uh, you know, is valued at nearly double the market cap, $143 billion of Volkswagen. Mark, Volkswagen's market cap is $82 billion. Yet, you know, Volkswagen sells 10.5 million cars a year. Last year, Tesla sold 365,000 cars. Tesla's guiding to 500,000 cars sold this year. Tesla trades at more than double the value of GM. GM makes 500,000 cars in three weeks. My point is, for Tesla to get to fundamentally where it's being valued at, there has to be tremendous growth in their sales, right? But if you look at the second half of 19, their total revenue was down versus the second half of 18. If you look at the
the fourth quarter of 19, the revenue was down over 30% versus the fourth quarter of 18. The point is, their revenue is already declining. Um, yet it's being valued as if it's going to have tremendous growth. You look at quarter to date, you look at the Netherlands, Norway, Spain, which was over 50% of their EU sales in the fourth quarter of 19. Those three countries, quarter over quarter, the revenue is down like 98%. Um, um, I'm sorry, month over month, and, and year over year, the revenue is down like 60%. The point is, I think they're going to have, and, and so the, the problem for Tesla specifically is they're supposed to have unlimited demand in the U.S., the EU, and all over the world. So theoretically, if China's weak, they should, they should be able to just divert 100% of their production capacity to the EU and the U.S. based on what the company's valued at. I'm just looking at the valuation. So as it becomes clear that they can't do that, as it becomes clear when they have to put out their production numbers that U.S. sales are down a lot and EU sales are down a lot and China's at a standstill, as it becomes clear that all this new competition in Europe is ramping, and in fact, the new competition cars in Europe are selling more cars than Tesla, I think a lot of steam is going to come out of that stock. A lot of steam. Think about this, right? Elon Musk said he was going to be doing a thousand solar roofs a week by the end of 2019. I don't even think they're doing more than like five or six solar roofs a week based on the data we're looking at. Um, so, and then you look at what happened yesterday, right? Keep in mind, last year when Tesla unveiled the Model Y, I think it was, I would argue, a disappointment, right? It was supposed to be a seven-seater, um, and they did that when they were in the throes of the stock coming down, people questioning the story. We just found out yesterday the, the seven-seater is not even available. They're calling people who reserve for the seven-seater and asking them to take a five-seater. The Model Y is made with 75% with of the same parts as the Model 3. So you're, you're asking people who just brought a five-seater Model 3 to buy a five-seater Model Y with 75% of the same parts. You guys understand why that could be a problem. So, so I think Tesla has big problems this year. We've been saying that all along. I think a lot of the media coverage and the analysts slash investment managers that talk about Tesla on TV, they spout these, like, long-term, like, aspirational metrics. But keep in mind, this isn't a new company. This company's been around 10 years. They lose money every year. I think Q1's going to be a disaster. I think this year is a disaster for them. And if, you, if we move to solar, right, you look at what's happening in solar. Um, yesterday, prices came out. So every Wednesday, prices update, uh, PV Insights and Energy Trend. And if you look at Monoperk module prices uh, global, they were down 4.5% week over week. That's a massive decline, right? So there's two, two frames of thought. One is prices go up because China supplies a lot of the world's uh, modules. Another train of thought is prices go down because you're not, so, so the reason why prices would go up is because China's probably 60% of the world's modules, 40% outside of China. So if you can't get those modules, prices should go up. But here's the problem. You have a lot of megawatts outside of China. And if you look at places like India, right? India just announced force majeure. So guys are able to keep their, 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 um, their incentives even if they miss their targets. You look at places like Italy, et cetera. The point is demand is going to be affected by this coronavirus. So you still have a lot of capacity outside of China that's still producing, i.e. supply, but demand is being affected, right? People don't want to go to work. So we're actually seeing prices fall right now, and I don't think that's consensus. So wait, well, one thing I want to back up here on Tesla, they did make money last quarter, and they showed they can turn a profit. They, they showed they can deliver cars, uh, like they said, and turn a profit. So those are sort of the two. two no, you're, you're, you're wrong. You're wrong. They did not make money. So I'm looking at gap net income. Um, for the year, I'm sorry, for the year. Gap net income for the year um, was almost negative 900, 900, almost negative 900 million. And keep in mind, they're free cash flow, right? Their OPEX, their CAPEX was down 
um, uh, was down significantly versus 2018, yet they're building a factory in China and Germany. They capitalize a lot of their CapEx, meaning you don't see it on the, on the cash flow statement. So, you, you know, with Tesla, you can't just look at the numbers they report. You have to actually look in detail. In fact, I think the SEC has opened up an investigation into their, um, uh, into their classification of CapEx. It's been, uh, it's been speculated, associated with the, uh, with the China plant. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, Tesla lost on, on the net income line, Tesla lost nearly $900 million last year. So to say they're making money, that's not the case. Okay. Uh, in light of, of, all, of all those facts, you can't ignore the move the stock has made. So what, what – Yeah, but see, that's the problem. That's the problem, right? Everybody's just – the stock's going up, so it's good. So the stock's going up, so it's good. Look, I, I agree. The stock is completely detached from reality. Right. But you, you can't ignore the facts. Right. It, it, everybody keeps saying in light of those facts, you know, the stock in light of those facts, the stock. That's how you get in trouble. Right. Because this is supposed to be a hyper growth company. Right. And that's why people are buying the stock. Look, I'm wrong on the stock right now. But if you look at the fundamentals, the revenue decline is accelerating and the proclamations that Elon Musk has made, right? We can go all the way back to when they did, they started taking deposits on the Tesla semi eight, over 800 days ago, right? They started taking deposits on the seven-seater Model Y last year. They started taking deposits on the Roadster, I think, roughly 800 days ago. These are products that aren't available. The NTSB just came out the other day and said, you guys are not taking our recommendations on safety, and your, 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 your what you call full self-drive is not full self-drive. It's level too, and you need to make changes, and you haven't made the changes. You're one of the only six car companies that hasn't, haven't made the changes to your auto assist drive that we stated. My point is, you have to look at all these facts, because if you don't look at the facts, when this stock starts to tumble, you're going to question and ask yourself why. All right, and uh, I, that's a great point. You know, the, the people today are right. The people... They, just because you're right today doesn't mean you could be you could be right tomorrow. Joel, I think you wanted to jump in. Yeah, yeah, Gordon. Thanks for coming on. I mean, yep. is anybody you know a veteran in the markets? You know, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. You know, standing right. up when you're wrong is you know is you got to do. And you see you see things in your P and L, and you see things. So I appreciate your your candidness. Um, you know, let's just throw out like all right. All the neg- I don't. We can't throw out all the negatives and all the unknowns here. Uh, right. You know, just going to the whole global situation here. You know, mm-hmm. what you know, what would turn you know, like what would turn you, like what would say, you know, like for me, like you know, once I know that there's, uh, you know, we're being properly tested. Four, it's very easy. Four consecutive quarters. Of net income gap, positive gap net income. No, I'm not talking right. about Tesla. I'm not talking about okay. Tesla. Yeah, I'm just talking okay. about the the overall economy in the in uh, the world. That that's what you know. Just everything that's going right. on. I'm sure you guys just saw U.S. durable goods just came out horrible. Uh, look, we're not. I'm not. It's hard to make a call on the global economy. We make yes. calls on specific stocks, right? And and okay. and everybody positions us as bears because we have a lot of sell ratings. But you know, we would love to find longs. In fact, we think we. We found a couple. Can't talk about those yet. But with respect to the specific stocks, I mean, you know, what would turn us is if fundamentals turn. Like, you know, we cover the still stocks, 
right? We're very negative, you know, U.S. still. Um, the reason is because their cost structure is above everyone else, and there's a lot of capacity that's being ramped in the U.S. to appease Donald Trump. We think that's inefficient. If you look at the last time there was a, uh, you know, basically protectionism with the Bush administration, initially it worked, and then it was a disaster because when there's protectionism, the steel mills have to give the government a gift as well, which is irrational capacity, and you're now seeing the effects of that. You know, if you look at, you know, Cleveland Cliffs, you know, everybody talks about the protectionism, but they have a structural problem. The problem is a lot, their, their, their product is priced on the Atlantic pellet premium. The Atlantic pellet premium is, is di dictated by European steelmakers. China can't dump in the U.S., so what are they doing? They're dumping in Europe. So European prices are being affected by China's dumping. So that's having a direct effect on Cleveland Cliffs. People haven't put those, uh, connected those two dots. With respect to the solar industry, you have, you have um, uh, Tongwei is ramping like 90 gigawatts of capacity. The entire global market's like 114. That's one player that can nearly supply the entire market. You're talking about massive oversupply. So what would change me? I mean, it depends on which specific stock you're talking about. Okay. You know, okay. um, it's not like we're negative the world, right? There's, there's pockets of strength and there's areas, but we, we really focus specifically on the stocks, but we do have, okay. you know, uh, an, an industry backdrop, which I think is important for each sector. Uh, I, I saw durable goods as being better than expected for the month, so maybe we, we saw two different uh, readings or uh, uh, different measurements. I was just reading a, a market headline. Let's see here. Uh, it was pull it up. It was 0.1%. It's, it, it's not it. Uh, Gordon, uh, I anxiously await your uh, bullish recommendations. We know you have uh, very convicted uh, bear calls. Uh, very curious to see what you're coming out with in the next few weeks. Gordon Johnson is the founder of GLJ Research. Gordon, thank you so much, really, for the time today. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, just real quick on Durable Goods. I'm sorry. The headline was, you know, they were positive 2.4, and now they're negative 0.2. So they're back in negative territory. Better than ex expectations. But I guess the point was that's pre-corona. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Yeah, we will. Gordon, have a great one. All right. Take care. All right. Wow. That was a hurricane. That's <laughs> I think everyone. I think everyone in the pre-market prep chat and the YouTube chat should give Spencer a big hand. I, I'm so happy the way you handled that interview. I might cry. <laughs> Thanks, John. Was, you did incredible. You really did, man. That was a tough interview. He, he, he's and a hard one. He's hard. He's hard. He's challenging. He, he is. He, he challenged has a lot, you. He has a lot of facts in his head. He he knows a lot of things fundamentally that I don't. That most people don't, so it, it's very hard uh, uh, to to interview him, and because he's he's very knowledgeable and he is very convicted. So I uh, mean, I I think I'll just have to tell Dennis that you know he's no longer needed on the show. That it's going to be the right, Spencer, right. Spencer and Joel show, and uh, <laughs> you know. Trained by Dennis. That's right. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Anything in ratings land? Nah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard. How can you, if you're an analyst, how can you come out and say anything in this market? Stone Co is getting upgraded. JP Morgan this morning to over, over overweight. Uh, JP Morgan is also upgrading Logitech to overweight. Uh, those are kind of the two uh, big ones that I saw. Not really much in the way of downgrades. It's all either earnings reactions or if you're an analyst, you just sit on the sideline and you kind of wait for this coronavirus thing to, to play out, uh, however long that takes. I, I can't imagine we'll see too many uh, 
big rating changes in the next couple of weeks until the market really uh, calms down. What uh, was so, the upgrade you gave me? Uh, two upgrades, Stoneco, S-T-N-E, and L-O-G-I were the, were the two that, that really jumped out to me. Mm. JP Morgan. Not reacting much on this uh, Stoneco. Uh, so not getting much of a lift off that. And then L-O-G-I was the other one. Yeah, better, better hold 40. Uh, yep. 42.19 is yesterday's high. It doesn't seem to uh, be uh, moving that much. And, and then and Virgin, Virgin Galactic, uh, this is follow-through from earnings yesterday. They're getting downgraded by two firms, Morgan Stanley and Credit Suisse, but it's just a neutral um, on, on both those ratings. So uh, I will reserve my comments on Virgin Galactic since <laughs> I have a position. Oh, all right. Good for you, Joel. <laughs> how, do you, how do you know what it is? I don't know what it is. I have no idea what it is. Okay. <laughs> Good for you nonetheless. All right. Uh, let's get to a couple more from the chat. Uh, let's look at Gilead here. We talked about this a couple of days ago when they had uh, uh, they had a headline on, on their virus on their vaccine uh, a few days ago. They may have had another headline yesterday as well. Um, but they're 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 widening yeah what's the test. they're widening the testing of their drug in Hong Kong, South Korea, and other Asian markets. That's this morning's headline. Uh, let's look at Gilead. Yeah, boy, oh boy. I mean, this this is a tough one. This is a tough one because yeah. it's giving you um, a look, and then and then it peels back, and then it gives you another look, and now it's up again. So I don't know. You just got to wait to see how this progresses. Yeah. Um, right now, uh, pre-market high is way up here at uh, 80, 81.35. You've kind of faded off that too. Uh, and 80 bucks, I did an article about this the other day. Um, 80 has been a tough level. Uh, you had a high, just nothing there. It just seems to me like be a psychological level. It is at the uh, top of the trading range. What about as I go through the chat here? Um, let's look at Regeneron. Uh, Regeneron. Same story. Regeneron here. Whew, up another $17? Holy yeah, crap. This one is not coronavirus. What uh, is it? Is it related to? Related, but there was a headline a few days ago about a uh, a drug of theirs uh, or a rival drug uh, that didn't um, oh it didn't do well that didn't do well so oh, man it's on its way back I mean 500 a psychological level uh, let's see you had an all-time high this is called 560 you went to 240. So four six, uh, man, I'm having trouble doing the math. Two hundred twenty point move, one ten. So that ah, you're through the fifty percent. I don't know. That's a tough one. I'd just say psychological level at five hundred, a massive three days. Maybe wait for the volume to calm down a little bit. Uh, big volume's been coming in, so there's still an app appetite to buy it. Uh, looking at five hundred is a, just a psychological support level. Uh, and then before we wrap, I just want to pull Microsoft and the chart of the spy again and just get your thoughts as we get as we've gotten a little bit closer to the open here. Uh, Microsoft, it looks like it held 163. And uh, we talked about there was a few daily lows in there. So uh, Microsoft is finding some support at one. 
uh, 63. I actually dipped below that pre-market low. Dipped by it quite a bit, 162.20. So if you're looking for an area here on the downside, I still like the 163 pre-market low, 162.20. Uh, we're here down at the, at the lows of the pre-market session. So, um, you know, let's see if 59.50 holds. Uh, if you break below 59.50 and then rally back above it, maybe get a chance, you know, somewhere. I don't know, even know if you're going to get back to mid-range on the session. Uh, but um, that's it. And my next on my sheet in front of me, uh, my next daily support level is your November 1st low at 30.35.75. So that's about 30 handles away. Okay, I think that'll do it for our show. I tried to get to as many tickers in the chats uh, as I could. We'll, we'll do more tomorrow. Uh, if you missed any part of the show, you can always catch the podcast of it on whatever podcast platform you like, or we watch our show on youtube.com slash TV. Thanks to our guest, Gordon Johnson. Thanks to all of you in our chat, both of them, the one on YouTube and the one on premarket.benzinga.com. Uh, you can always uh, email us, premarket at benzinga.com, or give us a call, leave us a voicemail, 734-494-0246. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone, have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.